0: right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight uh, for our Bible study here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We're going to be doing continuing our Bible study on the True Nature of God by Andrew Womack. And uh, my name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, uh, Just so you know, you can follow all of our Bible studies uh, that we've done. Uh, They're all archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. You can also support our ministry on our website and in, in that manner now uh, they're also archived on our youtube channel which is lighthouse discipleship uh center and then we also have some other uh medias as well uh, for mp3 format which is more just audio uh spotify where uh listed as lighthouse discipleship and so anyway that's a lot of different media we have on there for both video and audio and uh, anyway so thank you again for joining us tonight. We're continuing our Bible study tonight on The True Nature of God by Andrew Womack. Uh, we're still in chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5 has to do with a God's grace. Um, um, a God's grace for the believer. And we, consider, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we call ourselves believers. Why? Because we believe. <laughs> we, we believe in the gospel. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe the word of God. Uh, that's one of the main uh, things. Is we believe we receive uh, salvation by faith in His grace, uh, and so we believe. And so we. And it wasn't just a one-time deal that we believe. I uh, like the King James because the, the King James uses the word if at the end, and we believe it <laughs> So I guess we can say we're believe Uh if you want to be.
1: Uh, uh, do you want to explain the "f" what it means? Yeah, just a. Continually
0: believing, yeah, it means uh, it means to to believe and continuing to believe. I thought I just said that. Um, anyway,
1: (laughs) maybe I
0: didn't hear so either I didn't say it or she didn't hear it. So (laughs) I don't know, our both. But we
1: believe, and we are going to hear
0: each other. So, anyway, uh, so we're uh, we are in the middle of chapter five. Um, we are under the section walking in more grace, and uh, he's like, Well, how can we get more grace? Well, stay tuned, and we'll talk about it. So Sherry's going to narrate for us. Uh, she'll read for us, and then uh, we'll talk about it. So we're again under the section what page
1: ninety,
0: page ninety, and uh, chapter five under uh, walking in more grace. So uh, whenever you're ready, Sherry, go ahead and start reading, and then we'll talk about it soon.
1: Okay. In Romans five nine, Paul concluded with his main point much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. In other words, if we can accept the fact that God showed His love toward us when Jesus died for us while we were sinners, much more now that we are justified by His blood, we shall be saved from God's wrath. Do you follow the point Paul was making? He was saying that if we could accept the love, mercy, and forgiveness of God While we were sinners, we should be able to accept the love, mercy, and forgiveness of God much more now that we're His children. As Christians, we ought to be walking even more freely in the grace of God than we were when we came to Him for salvation. And yet, most of us walk in grace much less now after we're saved. To prove that, just look at how we thought when we were first born again. Say you had come to me as an unbeliever and said, Andrew, I need to be born again. Would you pray for me? Then as I started to pray for you, God gave me a word of knowledge and I said, you know what? You're an adulterer. You're living in adultery. I named other sins in your life. Do you know what you probably would have said? You would have said, Oh, that's right. I know I need to be saved. It would have made you throw yourself on Jesus and rely totally on him for forgiveness of sins because you knew he came to save sinners. So pointing out your sin wouldn't have stopped you from receiving salvation. You understood that Jesus came to save you from your sin, not to save you because you had already overcome sin. Salvation is received totally by grace. Now, one of the Christian came to me today, asked me to pray for healing, and I said, you're living in adultery. Do you know what most spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word people would do? They would say, I knew it. I knew God wouldn't heal me. I now know why nothing's working right for me. It's because I've done this, that, and the other. People get real quiet when I say things like that. They're thinking, well, now, wait a minute, Brother Andrew. Do you think God would heal an adulterer? My answer is, well, I believe if God would save an adulterer, then he would heal one. Now, I'm not condoning adultery or any type of sinful behavior, but what I'm saying is this. If we could accept God's love shown toward us while we were unbelievers, we should accept his love much more now as his children. Regardless of what we've done, God loves us even more. Yet most of us believe he loves us much less. Let me give an example. If a drunk man comes to a service and is sitting in the back, almost falling over, most spirit-filled Christians would go up to him and say, Brother, God loves you. God's got something better for you. God will change your life. We will minister love to that drunk, and that drunk will respond to it. We'd love him in spite of what he's done. That's God's kind of love. So he'll respond to it and be born again. But woe to that drunk if he comes back drunk after being saved. God loved him when he was a sinner and drunk, but if he's born again and he's still drunk, God forbid. Most Christians would not offer the same kind of unconditional love. Doesn't something seem inconsistent about that? Grace is not just for the lost. Christians must live by grace too.
0: So this is a powerful thing that I didn't necessarily realize a few years ago, and uh, you know, and, uh, in some in some respects, this can be controversial to some people. But you know, and and it, and Andrew's right. You know, we we seem to show more grace. We still we seem to extend more grace and mercy to a sinner uh, that doesn't know better than we do to a Christian who does know better. You know, and that's probably one of the arguments a Christian with some religious Christians would say. Well, they know better. Well, yeah, they do. But at the same, yeah, they should. At the same point in time, grace is not only for the sinner. Grace is also for us too. And the verse he kicks it off with is from here, from um, Romans chapter five, verse nine. It says, "Much more than being now being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved." from from, from wrath through Him. You know, God. Not, if God loved us and died on the cross when we were a sinner, when God loved us and died for us and forgave our sins before we ever received Him, you know, how much more does He love us now that we have received Him? Like Andrew, I'm not advocating a life of sin. You know, we've, we've met some grace preachers through the years who think that, uh, When you teach on grace, you can teach; you can live any way you want to, and that's not true. That's not what the Word of God teaches. And first of all, that's not grace. It's not grace. Grace doesn't keep you in sin. Grace gets you out of sin. But if you stumble, if you make a mistake, and you know, then some people will argue. Well, if you sin willfully, it's it's a difference between willfully. I've never met anyone who didn't willfully sin. Uh, You know. Uh, I never saw anyone who said, oh, I, by accident I committed adultery, <laughs> by accident I committed murder, by accident I cheated on the tests. by accident I lied to you, you know, n- none of those are, were by accident, every sin is willful, and the Bible does say that there's pleasure in sin for a season, you know, I've had people say, you know, well you did it because you wanted to, absolutely, <laughs> you know, that's what sin is. I mean, I never, I you know, I never met someone who sinned, didn't sin willfully. At the same point in time, I have seen people, Christians and even non-Christians, who regret what they did afterwards. Um, you know, it's kind of like the I've never been drunk, so I I can't I can't relate to someone who's had a hangover, but it seems like they're just hangover. After someone who has committed a sin, maybe it, whether it be adultery, cheated, lied, or whatever, and so there's just it's called a conscience, <laughs> and so and the conscience is bothering them, and uh and 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 the, and the Holy Spirit and uh, especially with the believers, it's, it's convicting them of what they've done wrong to make it right. But to say that there's no grace, you know, I I've had grace preachers who preach grace and yet they 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 don't extend other people grace. <laughs> How can you preach about the grace of God, and yet you don't extend grace to one another? To me, someone who does that, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but they don't understand grace. Grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. Grace will set you free from sin. But if you do sin, if you do stumble, if you do make a mistake, God still loves you. God is still gracious to you. God there will be discipline and there'll be consequences of those sins and especially in the natural. The Bible says in Galatians, if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption. God doesn't have to do anything. The, 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 sin, the sin itself, if you commit adultery, you can destroy you can destroy your marriage. You can destroy your reputation. You can destroy a lot of different things. For example, if I commit adultery, I can not only destroy my marriage, I can destroy my ministry. And so there's side effects to this. Sin is still deadly. The wages of sin is still death. But God is still gracious to us. And now that we're his, you know, it's like a child, you know, it's like a a parent and a child. You know, uh, uh, I mean, uh, would not a good parent discipline his child if they disobeyed him? But does that mean they don't love him anymore? Does that mean they'll never show them grace? It's like, you know, you 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 disobeyed me, you're out of the house. <laughs> you know? That's that I mean, that's not that's not how we treat our family, that's not how we treat our kids. And yet we think that God treats loves us yet less, extends us grace less if we mess up. His great. if we mess up, we need his grace to be taught so we can get, get we we can be set free from this behavior. So we can be set free from uh, this lifestyle, not to condone it, and also not to condemn the person. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know, uh, we, we sometimes we need discipline. But the word discipline in the Greek in, in the Book of Hebrews is <coughs> excuse me is is child training. You know, sometimes you need. You need to teach, you need to correct, you need to discipline it. You know, the word discipline in the Greek is very, very close to the word disciple. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. We're supposed to be discipled. The Bible says, uh, in John chapter 8, it says, You shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you are disciplined or discipled in God's word, that truth will set you free. No, that doesn't mean we can't make mistakes that we're not and so uh you know and that's not a <coughs> those you know, grace is not a license of sin grace will teach you not to sin and so if you're if you're if you're if you're sinning in the sense you have uh you're not living by his grace you're living by your own pride you're living by your own selfish lust and and i'm and when i use the word lust i'm not just always talking about immoral things even though it applies to that, there's a lot of things some people lust for. Some people love lust for attention, and even negative attention. Some people lust to gossip. Some people lust to lie and cheat, and, and uh, for for fame or whatever. We can lust for a lot of different things, and that lust can drive us, uh, just like some immoral things or some addic- any addiction. Some people lust for coffee. Nothing wrong with coffee in and of itself, uh, but some people. Uh, coffee is more important than some other, you know, it just, and t- for some people, it's extreme. Some people, it's, it, it's, it's out of balance, you know, uh, uh, you know, some people even lust for vegetables, you know, it's just uh, the way the way, the, the way they, they lust for their diet, you know, it just, um, and nothing wrong with dieting in them themselves, you know, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we can lust for, and am I going to be controlled by my flesh, or am I gonna be controlled by the Spirit of God? Because the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's Galatians five sixteen. So what's the secret? <coughs> the secret is walking in the spirit. You're either gonna be controlled by your flesh, or you can be controlled by the spirit of God. Who's dominating in your life? Who's your Lord? Is it God, his word, or are you your own Lord? Uh, you know, are you serving yourself? Are you serving God and one another? And I'm not saying that we can't have times where we, we, we spurge on ourselves and, and, and have a day off and, and do something nice for ourselves. I think that's very healthy. I think if you never do that, that's not healthy. But for for your whole, for the, your whole life, for everything to revolve around you, something is wrong. That's self-centeredness. You've actually made an idol to yourself. You've made yourself an idol. Uh, you know, and <coughs> I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I want to con- I want to tell my flesh what, what is, I'm going to do. You know, it's kind of like I'm reminded of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Put your hope in God. I'm telling my flesh, trust God. And sometimes we have to tell our flesh to, you know, have you ever woken up in a <coughs> or been in a bad mood? Maybe you just had a frustrating day or you didn't get enough sleep last night or, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you're frazzled. Maybe you're, you're frazzled at the government and different things. And some things can just really get under our skin. And I understand that. And I have to control I, I mean, just like this week, I had a couple of times where things were just starting to get me unrattled, you know. And, and I have to control, I got to, you know, we all have to control our flesh and those things. But how do we control that flesh? Sometimes our flesh wants to be angry. Sometimes our flesh wants to be sad and depressed. You know, I mean, I understand sometimes being sad, I understand sometimes being angry. But we can't let that anger and that depression rule over us where we're now depressed all the time. Because, you know, both, <coughs> both someone who's just angry all, all the time, or someone who's depressed all the time, I don't mean to offend you, but you're selfish. Because you're focusing on poor me, poor me. And uh, and maybe what's happened to you has been poor. Maybe it has been wrong. Uh, maybe, it, I mean, maybe it's worse than wrong. I'm not justifying what's happened. But having that attitude is your focus on you. You know, there's times where we, we get bad news. We get times when people treat us wrong. I don't agree with half that's going on in our government and our world today. Uh, but at the same point in time... I, I'm trusting God. God, what do you want us to do? I mean, just a few months ago, we were wondering what we're going to do financially because of some situations and, and whatnot. <coughs> and we just, instead of being angry, even though we did have some moments of that, we cho- chose to trust God, and God has turned it around, and God is still in the process of turning it around. And we can either put our trust in God, or we can get our all unraveled rattled uh, and get in the flesh, and, uh, you know, we just have to trust God. We're even having some other financial challenges from a different arena right now. Uh, you know, I'll just be honest with this. You know, we're getting to a point now in our ministry uh, because of our move and COVID and doing things where well, the church can't afford to pay me anymore. And so that uh, I'm coming, be coming either off the payroll or having a very low check. We have other streams of income, but we can either get all unraveled or we can trust God. God's our provider, not the tithe, not the not the offering plate, not the online and whatever. You know, would I love to be in full-time ministry? Absolutely. And having a church outside, I'm I'm I was privileged to be under the payroll. But even Paul Paul went in and out from being supported by the church from time to time. Because there was only one church who supported Paul. In all of his letters that he wrote, only one church supported Paul, and that was the Philippi Church. It was in that context that Paul wrote, my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's a promise to all of us, but he was selling that to the Philippi church in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And so, uh, so he made some promises and some blessings, you know. But Paul is not, I'm just like Paul, I'm not dependent on the people. You can give and support our ministry online and whatnot, we thank you for our partnerships that we do have so we can do what we're doing. Uh, you know, and I mean I, anyone who knows me I, I'm working sixty to eighty hours a week uh, uh, and whatnot, but you know, and even if I didn't get paid, I still do what I'm gonna do. I'm still gonna do what God calls me to do. My point I'm not, trying, I'm, not I'm not trying to paint a picture, I'm not even saying this to be poor me poor <coughs> poor me. no i'm I'm like, I'm gonna trust God. He will keep him in perfect peace. He who's mighty stayed upon him. Just because we're preaching this stuff doesn't mean we don't have challenges too. We do, but we are choosing to trust God, and I don't know how it's all going to pan out in the end. But I know that my God will supply my needs according to His riches. I'm going to trust God. Uh, I don't think we're because of different things. We, she has a good job, and I'm getting my notary business up and going pretty soon here, and uh, and so and that's one thing, the reason I'm working so long because I'm trying to get that off off the ground. Anyway, you know, but God says in Deuteronomy that he gives us the power to get wealth. He gives us wisdom how to get wealth. Uh, And so, and and he gives us direction. And okay, you know, maybe like Peter, we've been fishing all night, catching nothing, but Jesus came to (coughs) Peter and said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. I mean, I don't know why the fish are on that side and not on this side of the boat, but if Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat, then... Get your net out of the water and put it on the other side of the boat. Just do it. You know, if God's our provider, if he's my Lord, if he's my master, is he, if he's my Abba, Daddy, Father, then I can go to him boldly in my time of need and ask him for help. Ask him for wisdom. He can do a miracle, sure, but he can also lead me where the fish, where the fish are, are breeding. And, and, and I'm just using the fish as a story. You know, for Peter, he was a fisherman. Fish was his vocation. Getting a big load of fish was payday for him. I'm not a fisherman. I do other other things. Um, they don't smell so much. <laughs> but at the same point in time, you know, um, God can lead you. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, 90 verse 17 that he will bless the work of your hands. Yes, bless the work of your hands. His beauty will bless the work of your hands. You know, I know there's a lot of things going on in our government in our world today, and some people are losing jobs and businesses. I mean, it, uh, it's it's horrible. But the government's not my source, and my business, this church, is not my source. God's my source. If I have to go fishing to get a coin out of the fish's mouth to pay <laughs> pay my taxes, and let's go fishing. You know, uh, whatever we got to do, God. I mean, God used the jars of the widow's neighbors to, to, so she could. Pour the, the the little oil she had left in a miracle, so she poured her oil. Went to go sell that oil to pay off her debts. I am not limited when I have God on my side. Now that doesn't mean I just sit passively waiting till the cows come home. You know, because some people don't have cows to come home to. You know, <laughs> and so just you know, uh, we we have to, but we pray for wisdom. You know, uh, I'm still busy doing what God's called me to do. You know, okay, once stream dries up. And I and I, you know, but I I'm also speaking blessing on this ministry. I'm speaking blessing that this thing multiplies. I'm speaking blessing on your ministry so you can support my ministry. You know, so we can bless each other. <coughs> but at the same point in time, you know, uh, I'm trusting God. Now, uh, you now some people have financial issues because that's their own folly. Maybe they made a bad business choice, or maybe they. They gambled or maybe they uh, didn't make wise decisions and they were just, you know, they got a, bit of, a little bit of money and they squandered it too too fast or they didn't have a budget or, or maybe they, they, they used it on things they shouldn't use it on. Sometimes we get into financial problems because of our own following, But sometimes we get into financial problems because we had nothing to do with it. We got laid off or we, uh, the economy's going down or we were forced by the government to close our doors because of some COVID <laughs> That only, you know, that has a 98% survival rate. Uh, but somehow, anyway, I'm not going to get in all of that. I can talk about how much I'm against all this stuff. But at the same point in time, okay, so that's the case. Whether I agree with it or not, agree with it, that's still the case. God, where do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? You know, uh, God can uh, give you creativity. God can give you wisdom to meet your needs. Uh, No matter how old you are, no matter what your circumstance is, maybe you don't even have a green card, or whatever the case is, you can't work. Maybe you can't get food, whatever, can't get government support. You know, I'm not saying you can't get some of those, but even if you do get some of those things that you might be entitled to, that's not your source. Your job is not your source. Your business is not your source. He's your source, and we have to remember that. You know. Your employer is not your source. The government is not your source. Uh, God's your source. And uh, and so God can so meet your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, and so, I mean, I can go on so many tangents here with tithing and whatnot. Uh, because I believe, I believe in tithing. I believe in sowing to reap. You know, and uh, this is a totally different message. I don't want to get off topic here. So we teach that in this church. We believe that. You know, that's one thing we've, we've never let go and uh, uh we've had financial challenges but we have never let go of tithing and there's always has been funds there and we we didn't know what to do a few months ago back in uh july whatnot but god has turned some things around and uh, and and so uh you know we're still working on some a- a new areas too and so uh, God's our supply, and I, this is not all about finances, I can apply everything, I just talked about healing, I can talk, apply everything I just talked about other areas of our lives, uh, but God's my source, and and we're talking about grace, so let me bring this back to grace, you know, I just say we let's just say the situation we're in was our fault, I don't believe it was our fault, I don't think we had anything to do with it, you know, you know, it's one thing when you're pastoring a church, you know, you can't make people tithe. You can teach on it, you can preach it, but you can't make people do it. And sometimes people move away and they get a new church and they just need to tithe there because that's where they're going. I believe you tithe where you're getting fed. If you're getting fed, then you tithe there. Um, you know, I, like yesterday we went to my favorite restaurant. There was a McDonald's across the street. And, I, and, you know, if I'm getting fed at El Cholo, my favorite Mexican restaurant, I don't go across the street to make McDonald's to pay my bill. No, I pay a cello. They're the ones that fed me. You know? And if where you can fed is that's where you should sow your seed. You know? And so, um, that's where you should tithe. And so, uh, you know, what not. You know, uh, anyway, I can talk so much about tithing. I'm not trying to. And uh, But uh, not because it's not good. It's just not my topic tonight. Um, but I'm just talking, you know, grace. Even if we made this mistake. Even if we did something wrong. God doesn't give less grace now that you're his child. No, he gives you more grace. And that grace isn't, is, not, uh, is not, he's not turning a deaf ear to sin. He's not turning a deaf ear to your folly. He already paid for your sin through Jesus. But if you continue in sin, you're going to destroy your life. Uh, you're going to destroy things. It's not because God's not being gracious to you. Is that you have, turned, you have turned a deaf ear to His grace. And you have you decided, I'm going to do my own thing. And uh, I'm going to do it my way, which I feel like I'm quoting Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way, you know. Well, I want to do it His way. You know, God's way doesn't always make sense in the natural. Cast your net na- on the other side. Walk around the city seven times, and on the seventh day seven times, and the wall's going to come down. That, you don't, they don't teach that in military you know, military training. Gideon, take a, a pot, a lantern, a, a, a torch, a pot and a trumpet. and you, I mean they had so many the armies that were against them the Bible says in the book of judges that uh, there were, the camels were as, as I, I'm paraphrasing but as much as the sand on the seashore. Was, the army was so big it was it was like sand on the seashore. you ever gone to the beach? How much sand is on that seashore i mean this was a huge seashore and there was camels armies as far as the seashore and guinea with 300 men, took each man took a torch a pot a clay pot and a trumpet and they won the battle you know without a weapon without a sword you know uh jehoshaphat and second Je- chronicles chapter 20 they didn't have weapons and they had three big armies coming against them and so, God, they put their worship team on the front lines. And when they got there, the battle was already won. You know, if we we have an amazing, mighty, awesome God, we're talking about the nature of God. And God shows His grace. You know, some, and some of these nations that Jehoshaphat was fighting were nations that God told jo- Joshua to drive out, but they didn't drive them out. There were some nations that were supposed to drive out. He said, he said, "If you don't drive them out, they will be snares to you." And there were some nations they didn't drive out like they were supposed to, and one of those is the Philistines. And we know throughout biblical history the Philistines. Uh, Goliath was a Philistine, uh, and Goliath should never have been there because they should. But they, he was there, but God, God didn't say, "Okay, well, Goliath's your problem now." No, with David, Goliath, and David things, God showed them grace. We're His kids. he yes, He's going to discipline us if we do wrong. But we're His kids. He's still going to be gracious. And uh, uh, anyway, His mercy is grace. It, his discipline is mercy. His discipline is gracious. He's not doing it to destroy us. He's teaching us to teach us. And what's He teaching? He's teaching us mainly to trust Him. At the root of every sin. Is really the root of I'm going to do it my way. Really, because anything that's not a faith is sin, and really every sin, adultery. Lord, I instead of instead of you, instead of enjoying the spouse you gave me, I'm going to enjoy this person. It's not trusting the spouse that God gave you. Uh, and, and, you know, cheating, or stealing. Lord, I know you're my provider, but I think I have to steal to make my own needs instead of trusting you to meet my needs. Every sin, every sin, we can still bring it back, back to, back to faith. Where instead of trusting God to be our source, our provider, our God, our, our we're trusting that we are going to fulfill that need by some other means. That that's wrong. That's contrary to God and His Word. Instead of trusting God and His Word. And so, anyway, anything want to head on to, what I'm saying? I do want to
1: add a uh, couple of verses to. Uh, tie in together what Andrew and Dave were saying about more grace, uh, especially more grace, grace to the believer, not just uh, the sinner. You know in, in Romans 5 17 it says, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, and uh, Paul is talking about how sin reigned because of Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness... She's
0: in Romans 5.17 in your Bible.
1: Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Did you see how Paul is explaining this? We have death through Adam's offense, but by the life of Jesus, the death, burial, resurrection, and as Dave also adds on the ascension, because it's true, Jesus not only rose from the dead, but he ascended on high and is uh, seated uh, on, the, uh, on the throne. But it says, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. It, it doesn't say that God's taking grace away from the believer. It says the abundance of grace and we will reign in life in 2 Corinthians 9, which goes along with the more grace that Andrew's talking about, even uh, what Dave is talking about, and also with with giving and tithing, in Romans, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and read the whole chapter because it's all good, but Romans 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you are Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Again, abundance of grace. And then in James 4, it says, but he, and he's talking about God, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I could give so many more verses, but I want to stick with those three because those, those three are dear to my own heart, and I've, I've been really convicted and have given, gotten revelation of my own on those verses. But it just ties in what Andrew and Dave and I have been saying and explaining about God giving more grace to the believer.
0: Now, I want to, I want to piggyback on that last verse. He said that he gives, he says that he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, what's pride? pride is focused on yourself you know whether insecurity can be pride because you're focused on you um uh, you know depression can be pride because you're to focus on you i understand some things, some events might have happened that trigger that confession that depression but the more that you're focused on you i mean if you keep being focused on yourself anyone will be depressed i mean uh you know that's depressing but when you're focused on god that will lift you out of depression and so you know, he says he gives, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, anytime we say, "Lord, I got this," that's pride. Lord, I need we, I need God's help to be a good husband. I need God's good to be a good pastor. I need God's grace to do anything. But he says he gives grace in the humble. What's humble? Whenever I talk about humility, I always like using again David and Goliath. When David came on the scene of Goliath. Saul, King Saul, and the armies of Israel were wallowing in fear for 40 days because Goliath was taunting them. They were focused on themselves. They had a covenant relationship with God, and yet they were focused on themselves, and that insecurity caused them to wallow in fear. But David comes on the scene. He's a young boy. He's not a grown man like the armies of Israel, he's not a grown man like Goliath, who's a, a giant. And yet he comes on the scene and he's, his focus is on God. His focus is on, on his covenant relationship with God. He's trusting God, not his own size, not his age, not his stature. He's, he's not so concerned how big Goliath is he's because he knows how big God is. And David is not magnifying Goliath. He's magnifying God. And yet... Saul and the armies of Israel were comparing him and Saul with themselves. And David was comparing Goliath with God. <laughs> David, wasn't, David was so humble, he's focused on God. And God says he gives grace to the humble. When you are trusting God, he'll give you grace. He'll give you more grace. Now just let me throw in. Th- just because you're trusting God doesn't mean you don't do anything. Trusting God, being humble, is not being complacent. It's not being passive. It's not just being lazy. Now there's sometimes in, in, in battle throughout biblical history God says stand still and see the salvation of God. But then there's sometimes he says, pick up your sword and fight, and I'll, I'll be with you. When we're trusting God, we do what he says. If he says stand still, then do just do that. <laughs> you just don't get don't don't add another stroke, don't get involved. Let him deal with it. Cause he's, there's some issues. Uh, you know, God says, I got this. That means hands off. I got this. But then there's some things that God says, I want you to call so-and-so. I want you to do so-and-so. I want you to, to start this job or this vocation or go here or whatnot. There was a time when we had lost, lost everything. God told me to go to Toys R Us. I'm a grown man. I don't go to play. I mean, I love playing with toys. Don't get me wrong. But at the same point in time, I didn't think, I never thought of going to Toys R Us to find a job. I mean, I had, at the time, I was trying to get a job at 30, 30 temp agencies. I'd been applying for work for five years. Couldn't get a job. Not even an interview. I couldn't even get an interview. And there was times in my life I had five jobs at one time. And yet, this, this, this season in my life, I couldn't even get one interview. For five years. And then all of a sudden, God tells me to go to Toys R Us. And within within the hour, with I got a job, and actually that's how and, and, uh, and within a matter of time, we and actually that that's uh, we never have gone back, uh, and so uh, it, it has gotten better and better and better. Uh, we're still living off that that blessing that we we got then. I'm not, I don't have that job anymore, uh, but uh, that started this whole uh, journey, and so uh, you know. Sometimes God tells you to do something or, 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 or what, And sometimes what He tells you doesn't make any sense. Trust God, you know? Trust Him. But you're never going to know if unless you are relying on Him. And sometimes you'll say, I got this. And if God says He got this, then guess what? You don't. And if you do, then you're not trusting God. And if you're saying, I got this, when God says, I got this, you're not being humble, you're being proudful. And god resists the proud and gives grace to the humble and so uh, humility is trusting god now that now david appeared cocky to his brother eliab but he wasn't cocky humility can come across as being cocky <laughs> but if you know and god knows and that's really all that matters is if you're trusting god or not you know some people with the ministry, and some of the finances that we've struggled, and some of the lack of attendance, we've struggled. Think that we're just trying to do our own thing here. That's their problem. I know that we're trusting God. I know that God's called us to do this this ministry, and God has provided. I mean, we're a small church as far as attendance, and yet in the six, we're, you know, this actually today, uh, this Sunday uh, is is our anniversary for this church of six years. And uh, we started six years ago, the first Sunday in December in 2014, which was actually the 7th, which tomorrow's the 7th, but it was the first Sunday of the month of December. And so, uh, you know, we started with no money. <laughs> and yet God has bought in almost, almost, not quite, almost a quarter million dollars to this ministry in six years. That's awesome. And for a church our size. And in just the last three months, we've had over 2,000 new followers on YouTube alone. Uh, that's phenomenal you know and, and uh and and so if you look at our living room if you look at different things we don't have a lot of we're not you know we're not breaking the seams of the of the, of the house here with the people but we're doing what God's called us to do and uh, we're trusting God and uh you know and I have seen people do ministry in their own strength whatever but I know we're trusting God I know we're doing what God's called us to do and, uh, and so, you know, it can appear to some people it's cockiness, but, you know, I know it's not. You know what David did? You know how David responded to Eliab? He just turned aside and spoke to someone who would listen. There's some people, you just don't need their opinion. <laughs> you know, their opinion just doesn't matter. And you know, I'm not against anybody. I think everyone's valuable. But there's just some people, if, if their opinion does not match what God's told me, and in one sense of the word, their opinion doesn't matter, because when it when it comes down to it, folks, you're when it when it when the when the dust settles, when the rubber meets the road, you're da- you're dancing before the audience of one. But when it when it's all said and done, it only matters what he thinks of you, not what other people think of you. Now, do I want other people to think good of me? Yes. And I also know that I'll be effective in their lives if they think good of me. You know, you can't you can't be effective in someone's life if they don't think highly of you, if they don't respect you. You know, and sometimes you can, earn, you know, earn that respect or lose that respect. And sometimes some people will just never give you a chance. You know, and I you know uh, I'm just doing what God calls us to do, and and I just know that we're changing lives. I know that we're affecting lives. You know, it's like the the boy on the seashore. And he saw all these starfish on the seashore. And so he was throwing them back in the ocean one by one. And the, and the gentleman came to him and said, Son, you, you can't save all these starfish. There's too many of them. So the, you know what the boy did? He just reached down grabbed another starfish and threw it back in the ocean. He says, No, but I can save this one. He might, you know, I might not be able to save everybody. I might not be able to reach everybody. I might not be able to reach those who don't like me. But I know I can reach some. And I know that we are reaching people. We're reaching over two thousand people, uh, and so and we're in different kind. I mean, we're in our living room, sitting literally, and we're actually reaching people in Kenya. We're reaching people in Africa. We're reaching people in Pakistan. We're reaching people in India. We're reaching people in Afghanistan. We're reaching people uh, in different almost every continent uh, from this living room, and I think that's awesome, you know. And so we don't need a lot of funds, but you know, I you know, uh, there's more we could do if we ha- If I was working. <coughs> ministering full, <for, coughs> excuse me full time but you know um, uh, I'm not worried about that I'm worried about doing what God calls me to do because to me success is not how many people are in our church to me success is doing what God calls you to do that's success and uh, uh, so anyway I can I comment on so many different things
1: and, and grace enables you by trusting in God and believing in him, he gives you the grace to do what he has called you to do uh, and just to, to get through this this life. Um, but in, in going to the next section, it says, Continuing with God the way you started. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. The principle we apply to receive salvation from the Lord should be the same principle by which we walk with the Lord. If our works were not the basis for receiving salvation from God, why should our works be a factor in receiving healing from God? This Bible verse says we should keep going with God on the same basis we started. Some people interpret what I'm saying as encouraging people to sin. No. Or as Paul says, God forbid! I think Paul was a little stronger than that, but no, I'm not saying that. I hate sin, but I claim that the motivation for Christians to live holy lives is not so that we can earn the blessings of God. Those blessings were paid for and provided by Jesus, not our performance. God does not move in our lives based on our performance. I live a holy life because I love God, it's pleasing to Him, and it's my nature to live a holy life. I don't do it to earn anything from God any more than I would live holy to earn my salvation. When we reach a point where we don't care what we get from God, we just want to love, obey, and be close to Him at all times, we not only will overcome sin, but will see the blessing of God overtake us. How often did you fast, pray, study the Word, go to church, and pay tithes before you were born again? Probably not at all. And yet, do you think that if you haven't done everything totally right, for example, you have not been reading your Bible, then you know exactly why God hasn't healed you? Do you think it's because you failed somewhere? I'm sure glad salvation didn't come by perfect performance, or what, or I would have never been born again and you would have not either. That performance mentality exactly the reason many people aren't being healed. Did you know it's easier to get healed than it is to be born again? Yet most people find no problem being born again because they're putting their faith in what Jesus did for them. They know everything about salvation is based on what Jesus did and they are not using their own performance as their standard. They aren't approaching God on the basis of what they've done. When people come to the altar for salvation, they don't believe that what they got from God is in direct proportion to their performance. Yet when it comes to healing, prosperity, deliverance, answers to prayer and so forth, many Christians believe they will receive from God according to their performance. I've heard people stand up and say, "Brother." We've got to keep the Ten Commandments of God and live holy lives, or God won't move in our lives. If people say that, you can challenge them by asking, Are you perfect? Do you have any sin? Do you have any problems in your lives? Then they'll reply, Oh, well, no, brother, we're not saying we're perfect. We know we still miss it. So, how can they say that unless they are holy, God is not going to move in their lives? They usually respond, well, we're not saying you have to be perfect. What they're saying is that God grades on a curve. They are saying that nobody can be perfect, but God has a quota he has to meet because he can't reject everybody. He's got to answer somebody's prayer, so he'll take the top 10%, whoever they are. I guess they figure if nobody even makes a 50% on the test, then he'll pass the, the top 10%. He's got to answer somebody's prayer, right? No, that's not how it works. The Bible says that sin is sin. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. If you have led a good life and yet you miss it in one part, you don't deserve anything from God. That's what this scripture is communicating. We need to stop approaching God on the basis of what we have done. We need to come to God for every need the way we came to Him for salvation, through the finished work of Jesus Christ.
0: I mean this is so awesome if you really think about it. I mean it's just you know, I'd love this verse in Colossians. The same way you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. You know, you didn't get your life all together and then become a Christian. You didn't become a Christian because your life was put together. You be, your life was you were like your life was in a wreck. You heard the gospel, believed the gospel, became saved, and now that you are saved, we 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 think that we have we God can only bless us if we are living a sinless, perfect life, and that's not true. We're again, we're not advocating a life of sin. People think that we're we're teaching that and first of all they don't understand grace they don't understand how the gospel works if if that's what they're saying because that that, that's not the truth you know four times times—it's four or five times paul had to address the question uh uh uh, this question do you are you saying that we can live in sin that's where sherry quoted god forbid but four times paul had to answer that question four times Paul preached the gospel in such a way that that question came up four different times are you saying we can live in sin the question was always a very adamant no god forbid we're not teaching that but if you're if if when you preach the gospel that question doesn't come up then then in my opinion you're not preaching the gospel the same way Paul did because when Paul preached the gospel that question always came up the answer was always no, but the question came up. And so, and so the, it's, it's good news. Andrew calls it too good to be true news. It's good news. I mean, it's not based, the gospel is not based on what you do. The gospel is based on what Jesus did. And he does, he's not graving on a curb. Jesus was your propitiation. it says. That word probitiation is a fancy word, but basically he was your substitute. Jesus died for you. And he gave you. Jesus took your sin. He nailed it to the cross. He buried it. And he gave you his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal from our end. He took our sin. It's called the great exchange. He took our sin, crucified it, and he gave us his righteousness. Uh, you know, but the same way we receive Christ is the same way we walk in him. How did you receive Christ? You heard the gospel, believe the gospel, and were saved. Uh, if you're following with us on, on Sunday nights, I mean Wednesday nights, that's how we started. You heard the gospel, believe the gospel, and were saved. How do you walk with him? You continue to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and in and, and, and your say that word saved, sozo, salvation in the Greek. It means, it's a, a, a salteria, the longer form salvation, and it means wholeness, prosperity, or provision, uh, wh- wh- uh, wholeness under that, healing, deliverance. Whatever you need is in this salvation. It's in the seed, this Christ that you have received. In the same way you received Him, you walk. You this, your walk. Your walk with God should look like exactly how you received Christ. You heard his gospel. You heard what he's done for you. You believe they are saved. The just, the righteous shall live by his faith. I started off tonight saying we're believers. Why are we called believers? Because we believe. We believe what? We believe Jesus. We believe his word. We believe God. Stop trusting what you're doing or can do or have done and trust him. If there's any good in you, it's not because of you. It's because of God in you. You were worth dying for, and if you have, the, if you have God, you are good, because God's in you. But even, like Andrew said, even if you were a great, great Christian, and you just messed up in one area, you're still a sinner. You, you still sin. It's like having a plain glass window. We have a big glass window door behind us. And even if we just had a little rock and threw it through the window and it broke, it shattered the whole thing. Just one little pebble strong enough to pierce through that thing could shatter the whole thing. It was only one little hole, but it shattered the whole thing. Sin's sin. sin, sin. You know? Murder is no worse than a little white lie. (laughs) You know? I've seen more people damaged with gossip than I have murder. Murder's horrible, the adultery's horrible. And I know we have some things that just aren't horrible. But if you know Sher- Sherry and I, we hate gossip. It's it's just it's horrible. It's it's just ugly. And there's some other things that are ugly too. but, because sin is ugly. It's sugar coated, as being good, that's why we're enticed to do it. You know, but but uh um the same way we receive Christ, we walk in Him. So, what what do we what we need to do? We need to keep hearing the gospel. We need to keep hearing God. We need to uh, we need to keep walking with God. It's because what are we talking about? We're talking about that there's uh, not only grace for the believer, there is for the, the non-believer, but there's much more grace, and uh, and so. Uh, what's the secret? The secret is walking with Him. Remember, I just said a minute ago that when you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What's the key? You know, I think the, there's two Bible studies we're gonna do out there. We finished this one on Sunday night, and uh, our our Bible study on uh, Wednesday night when we finish these two books, we're gonna do one. I believe it's authority. The other one we're gonna do is called effortless change. I'm not sure which night we're gonna do which one. Uh, I haven't decided yet. But effortless change. And basically effortless change, Andrew teaches on that. And uh, and basically, you know, it's an effort to read the word and whatnot. But if you have a relationship with God, especially his word, you're going to see your life being blessed. Because if you're plugged into the vine, the the vine is a source, not you. If you're plugged into God, if you're plugged into Jesus, and his sap, his life is flowing through your veins, just like uh, you know a vine, everything's flowing through, through the vine, your life is going to grow effortlessly. It effort, it's, it's an effort in the sense to keep the relationship going, but the life that flows through, the, the byproduct, the fruit, you know, a, 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 an apple on an apple tree doesn't struggle to produce an apple. It's like, produce! It's not like that. You don't see the apple tree struggling. Here in the Camarilla, we have a lot of farms nearby. The, 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 that vegetation, that, that produce, is not struggling. What's it doing? Abiding in the plant, abiding in the vine. And it's just, there's this almost effortless. Uh, byproduct fruitfulness in it. There's work in the sense that it needs to be nurtured and good. And needs to be the soil needs to be prepared properly and it needs to be watered and and perhaps fertilized and different things. Whatever it's got to do to get those nutrients. But the plant itself, the environment needs to be good, and that's what we're talking about, even especially right now, Sunday nights going to be a part of. <coughs> being part of a church, being in the Word of God, being around good, like-minded fellowship, all these things are part of the environment, just like farming or gardening. It needs a good environment. You know, you don't just stick something in the ground and expect it to grow. No, it, it, it needs to be watered. It needs to be fertilized. It needs to be, uh, thats you know, it's not going to grow if you don't stick in the ground. that That's part of the process. But there's more than just sticking in the ground. It needs to be watered. It needs to be fertilized. It needs... Some things can't have too much sun, some things can't have too much shade, you know? And, uh, and we're, we're all different, we all learn differently. Sometimes, some people, you know, they, they, you know, uh, they learn in different environments, you know, and whatnot, and so, um, you know, even in the classroom, in normal school, normal academics, every student's different how they learn. And just like a plant, every plant is a little different. But you know, one thing that, some things that can't change, the, the lesson matter it can't change. It might some might be broken, diced up a little easier, so it's easier to digest, and a little slower in the in the presentation and whatnot. But but uh, the word of God doesn't change. We need to hear the same message. We need to hear the same word. We need to hear the same teaching. We just might some of us might need to go through it slower. Some maybe people you know uh, some people need to go faster. You know, some people can't learn if it's too slow. Some people can't learn if it's too fast. Uh, You know, some people, uh, they're just different personalities and different things. But anyway, I'm getting off track here a little bit. The same way we receive Christ, the same way we walk in Him. And uh, uh, I thought there was something else I was gonna say, but you have something?
1: I do, and I'm really appreciating what Andrew's bringing out, and I really hope it resounds in in your hearts as well. But I think my favorite part, was Andrew bringing out that he lives a holy life because he loves God. It's pleasing to him, and it's his nature to live a holy life. He says, I don't do it to earn anything from God any more than I would live holy to earn my salvation. When we reach the point where we don't care what we get from God, we just want to love, obey, and be close to him at all times, we not only will overcome sin, but we'll see the blessing of God overtake us And, you know, that's how I've been feeling lately. I'm not asking God, give me, give me, give me. Heal me, heal me, heal me. Help me, help me, help me. And believe me, there are so many times when I have done that. I've fallen at God's feet just begging him to help me. But I I feel like Andrew's bringing a point out that, it like, what we've all, we've, I think David and Andrew bring bringing out about performance it's not performance to earn salvation it's not performance to earn grace but when we are so thankful for what God has done what Jesus has done and we keep believing that and we're so in love with him because he first loved us we're so thankful for what he's done that we just, we just, it, it's it's like we're a magnet and we attract blessing. You know, in Matthew 6:33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And in the previous verses, um, Jesus is talking about, you know, not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about what you're going to eat, not worrying about your needs. Because God already knows these and he will, uh, he, he will, provide them for you, but, you know, just pointing the finger at me, when I'm stewing over something, oh my gosh, we need money, oh my gosh, I need healing, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need, I need, I need, where's my, where's my focus, where's my thinking, it's on, it's on my need, it's on me, and I'm struggling, and I'm striving, and I'm fighting, you know, in our five years, uh, back, uh, however many years, uh, ago it was, 2009, um, I, I was at a place, Dave and I were at a place where we could only trust God. Because in the flesh, in the natural, we were doing what we knew to do. Get, go after any, do- any job that was legal and moral that we, I mean, we applied at McDonald's, Walmart, you know, anything that we were qualified for, uh, even maybe uh, stuff that was, more of a beginning job for those, you know, getting into the workforce, uh, nobody would even look at us and uh, we were like, you know, how hard is it to get a job at Walmart? You know, and we could really focus on our frustration and our lack and our need, but instead our attitude was God's gonna do this. God's gonna get us out. He's gonna direct us to what job we need to go to But instead of sitting back and and being lazy about it, we said we know how to do one thing. We know how to trust God and we know that in this season we're to search for work. So we put those two together and we trusted God and trusted God and trusted God and God brought us out. And the whole time we were so grateful, we had a thankful heart because we knew what God had done for us uh, through Jesus, we knew what God has done uh throughout our our whole lives and we were just so grateful we didn't have to prove god i'm being faithful god i'm being holy god i'm being holy god i'm being holy god i'm being holy you have to do something we were no we had such a grateful heart god's going to do this and andrew's uh point of living a, a holy night a holy life because of loving god and it's pleasing to him we're we're not living a holy life to get something from God. We're living a holy life because, like in the book that that Dave was talking about, what we'd like to do next for one of our studies, that effortless change is God's changing us on the inside out because of that verse. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up within Him. We are in. We're that that. Uh, the analogy of the vine that Jesus talks about that Dave brought out that we're abiding in him and that that sap that's running through the vine that's Jesus coming into us he's the one that's helping us live holy I'm not doing it on myself there's no way I could do it I just stumble and fall but I am so grateful and I'm realizing more and more what Jesus has done for me for Dave for all of us that I just I I have that effortless pleasing to God because my focus is on what God's done and I just love Him for it and I'm just so grateful for it and I'm I'm living for God not out of performance to get from Him I'm I'm doing it be, because of what He's done for me that uh, living for Him just. Naturally flows out in response to what he's he's done for us. We're
0: well, almost out of time, and I'm just going to wrap up with this. Uh, Pick back on something Sherry said, you know. Um, and I, I think I said this evening maybe even this morning, but uh, we find a lot of people in ministry sometimes. And we believe in healing. We can come to some throne boldly in our time of need. We can receive healing. We can receive provision. We can receive a miracle if we need a miracle. We're not saying anything against that. We preach that. We teach that. We believe in that. We have a miracle working God. We have a God who's our healer. He's our provider. Uh, and he's a God of wisdom. He's our deliverer. But at the same point in time, we've also seen people many times where they want the healing more than they want the healer, they want the provision more than they want the provider, they want the, the deliverance more than they want the deliverer. We want to see people get healed we want to see people's needs being met we want that so much but more importantly we want them to have a relationship with god because and we and we've we've seen so many people once they get their healing they get their miracle their life gets turned around we don't see them anymore it's not just because they're not coming to our church and we're hurting that's not the point the point is they're not going anywhere That are they're all It was all about them. <laughs> and they were in a real need. And I'm not minimizing their need. But I, what I am magnifying is that none of this replaces a relationship with God. In the same way you receive Christ, walk in Him. The greatest miracle of all is receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. But now that you have received Him, walk in Him. Not, as Sherry was saying, not to, uh, not to... not to... Get something from God. We're not doing it just to get. That's selfish. But that doesn't mean we can't receive. That doesn't mean that God doesn't give us. That doesn't mean we don't reap what we sow. We do get. That's how the kingdom works. That's how God works. God gives God gets, gets us extravagantly. But we're not living holy life to get. We're, God can bless you because he's a good God. It's not based on your performance, it's based on his performance. At the same point in time, I want to do well, I want to trust well, I want to live well. First of all, as I said this morning, we are bearing his name. You know, I want to do well to Sherry, not just because she does, gives me stuff, she cooks for me and different things. I want to do so because I love her, you know? Uh, you don't do things just to get, and you know there's all to, you know. I can go on so many tangents with this. Sometimes it's harder to receive than it is to give. It's more blessed to, to give than receive. But sometimes we also need to learn how to receive too. <laughs> you know, uh, you can't give something you don't have. So if you if you don't receive it first, you can't give it away. <laughs> so anything, well, I can't give you something I don't have. So, if I'm going to give you something, I have to have first received it somewhere at some point in time. Is that making sense? We have to learn. We need to learn how to give and receive. And sometimes we just need to receive. Sometimes we just need to sit under the faucet of God's love and receive His love and His provision. God wants to bless you extravagantly. But He's also going to bless you so you can be a blessing. It says in Genesis chapter 12, are, we are blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. You know, God's blessed us with the home. We've been homeless, basically, where we didn't have our own home. We've been without cars. We've been without stuff. Uh, and so we're, we realize anything we have, we want to be a blessing with it. And there's boundaries at times, because there's times where we need us, we need, we need together time. We probably would go on more dates if things were open. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's just sometimes we have to get a little creative. And, you know, it's not like we go on a date every day or every weekend, but once in a while we do. And sometimes we need our space. But there's ways, you know, and our cars and whatever. You know, there's times where we, you know, we take people on errands, and sometimes we, you know, we don't give an invite, not because we don't invite them, but there's times where we just need to go. And we just need to have some time together and whatnot. And so, I mean, I'm just saying that you know i don't want to be i never want to have to, to add to where it's just me but then there's times where it needs to be just us we were going to go to alaska this last year because that's where we've always wanted to go we still didn't make it because of covid but you know uh, it's something we wanted to go to this year and uh, so, uh you know it was just one of those trips where we said we're going and no one's invited <laughs> it, just, it, was, it was going to be for our 20th anniversary and so that was The nature of it. You know, there's some things that, you know, it's a private affair. And then there's some things where it's, I don't know why I'm getting on this uh, uh, tangent. I'm just, I'm speaking to selfishness. I, I started off with saying, you know, we need, we, healing is here, provision is here, salvation is here. But embrace Him, embrace a relationship with Him. And if you have Him, Whatever you need, you can ask and receive anytime you need it. But don't make the thing you're asking for more important than Him. It's not based on your performance. It's based on the awesomeness of your God. It's based on His love. It's based on His grace. It's based on His mercy. And now, but because he has been so awesome to me, I, don't want, to, I want to be as awesome to him back. He's not going to bless me because of what I'm doing. He's going, to be blessed, he's going to bless me because I'm trusting him. That's the key to it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's about trusting him. It's, you know, we can make faith a performance thing. Without faith, and I, and I can go on and on about this. But with, with some key things that we keep teaching over and over again, is trusting him and having a relationship with him if you have those things and there's different things that we can do go to church revival tie different things that help that relationship that help that that cultivate the environment just like a farmer and a gardener they help cultivate the environment they're not the source you Now the sunlight is not the. when i plant a, a garden it can't just get all sun and nothing else it has to have water too and it can't just have all water it could be just water flood that thing, you know. No, it needs some sunshine too. So the sunshine's not the source, and the, the water's not the source, but they they're needed. They're part of the environment, and there's some things in the environment that will help us, but they're not the source. He's the source. Trust him. Have a relationship with him. Put all of your ammo. Put all of your focus. I mean, there's a, there's a, one of these Star Wars movies where they're where they're, they're, and Yoda, Yoda uh, says, put all your firepower on the closest Death Star, you know, and and they can't get them all, but get to get to, get the get the nearest one, you know. If they try to hit them all; they're not going to get any of them, but they can at least get one, knock it down. If you're going to put all of your attention on anything, put your attention on having a relationship with God and trusting Him first. Because where does faith come? From? word of God then have a relationship with the word of God because your faith will increase if you don't some people want their faith increased, but never have a relationship with the word it won't work you know it won't work you know I can't make a cake without flour I can't make the cake without the ingredients well you need to have a relationship with the word if you want it to grow you need to understand what you're reading uh, you need to have a relationship. You need, and There's some other things that are going to also, if you want to grow even more, get plugged into the church. Different things. Uh Tithing is not about what you do. It's about trusting God. It's about worshiping Him. It's about, it's, it's about you know, that's another one I like to do, again, in financial stewardship. Really, the whole book, the whole teaching is about trusting God. I could take money out of the equation. It's all about trusting God. And Andrew teaches the easiest thing to trust God for is finances. The Bible teaches the least thing to trust God for is finances. Andrew teaches the point, if you can't trust God in finances, you, in one sense, you won't be able to trust him in anything. Because that's the easiest thing. That's the least thing the Bible teaches on. And that's not a put down if you're struggling with finances. It just uh, But it's, uh, there's a point there. And, uh, and so, anyway, there's, we're out of time. I... I uh, I wish I had uh, hours and hours, but we ha- we'll be back. We'll see you on Wednesday night as we're talking about the new you and the Holy Spirit, and we'll be back next Sunday. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. I thank you for everyone who's listening. I've blessed them. I've blessed the- their, their fi- finances. I've blessed their homes. I've blessed the work of their hands. Even amidst of all these lockdowns and COVID and everything else, I bless their household in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you. We thank you for our country. We thank you for our president. And we thank you, Lord, that by you will expose all of the, the evil fraud and, 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 and uh, lies that have been uh, done in darkness and bring everything to the light. Give wisdom where wisdom is needed. Give, Lord, just reveal, expose the lies in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless this country. God bless America. And God, we trust. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday.
1: I love the